We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. Stay on the code, joined by Matt Wispy and Jordan Hoover. Fellas, it feels good to be right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, for all the for what the line came, the betting line came out at, we were we were definitely on the right side. Yeah, I mean, I I, I figured that you guys would probably give me some give me a hard time for uh, not being brave enough to just take Clemson on the money line and coward. Being, being a coward and taking those points, you know, and my winning ticket not being worth as much as yours, which in reality it would have been. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool because normally when we're all on the same side, you know, disaster is generally right around the <laughs> Very true. So it's good. To, it's good to get the other side of that for once, I guess. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Yeah, and and not only were the results right, our process was right too. Like when we were kind of talking about what we thought would take place, we talked about how we thought Clemson would be able to pressure Tua and that he would 
throw a, I think we even said, like, I think he's going to throw two interceptions and he's going to get, he may not get sacked a ton, but he's going to get hit and it's going to mess up the timing and they're going to struggle with, and it was all like the process was there and, and the results followed. So I felt, I felt really, really good about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was early on when I saw, uh, I think it was just the first drive when, or it must have been the second drive after the first interception. When they kind of broke free on that long play, I was like, ooh, maybe Clemson's secondary won't be able to hold up. Oh, that Judy, but, the long Judy yeah, touchdown? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I will say this. If anyone has any question about who the best defensive coordinator in all of college football is, you need to just stop having any reservations about this. It's Brent Venables. It's not close. He will every single quarterback he's going to face from now until he decides to retire from college football will be confused by his defense. Yeah, he he put together a great game plan for sure. Go ahead, Jordan. No, I was just going to say, I think it's really interesting, too, on Venables that I I mean, I don't know the exact number of head coaching offers that he's gotten over the course of his career. But it's it you know, it has to be enormous in the fact that he's willing to stay and not to say that he couldn't be a successful head coach, but I think he knows perhaps where his true strengths lie. And I think that there's something to be said. Again, this is me. You know, I don't have any inside information about this, but it seems to me like someone who's had that much success in, you know, is probably been given the opportunity to go somewhere and have a bigger, you know, a bigger role as a head coach, but he stays. And I, I just think that there's something to be said for staying in your lane I guess, and and, uh, excelling at what you do and not trying to stretch yourself thin, as we've seen before. I mean, I think even more than that, it's just tell me a a head coaching job out there that is substantially better than being probably the one of the highest paid defensive coordinators and getting to play with eight NFL players in your starting roster every single week. That's fair, but sometimes that's, you know, egos. I mean, aspirations. Egos, Asp- bro. Egos, you know. I mean, aspirations are totally real, and everyone should be trying to move forward. But if you're telling me Texas A&M is an, a job opening, there is zero chance I'm leaving Clemson's defensive coordinator to go be Texas A&M's head coach. How dare you? <laughs> I, I have nothing but respect for that program, but <laughs> there is a uh, very different level of uh, – skill that you're getting oh absolutely i mean he's getting he's getting the players he wants for the most part i mean the fact that dexter lawrence is out and and the defensive line is still that dominant just speaks to the talent that they're able to bring in yeah so i mean it for for everything that like every other program out there he's there is zero chance that they like he won't have a better defensive line than he's got right now. This is, it was the best defensive line in college by a wide margin. And that's shown by the fact that, I mean, Dexter Lawrence is a top is likely a top 10 pick. So yeah, I mean, and they still pretty much manhandled an Alabama offensive line that going into the game, well-respected people thought was still elite. So yeah, I mean, I don't. For me, I don't see any reason why Venables is leaving unless he's getting an absurd contract and a program that already has a quarterback in place and, like, is at least has enough prestige about it that it can kind of get whoever they want as a recruit. 
Right. I mean, I just think like it it would take someone like a like a Georgia level program to open up for him to I think seriously consider it. Yeah, I think he I think you're right. I don't think he has much motivation to to leave anytime soon. I think one of my favorite things about the game just from like a meta meta perspective and I tweeted about this during it is especially being a Seahawks fan where everything is about like establish the run, you need a good running game, running backs matter, all this kind of garbage. Uh, <laughs> I loved the fact that Alabama from a time of possession and a rushing yards perspective absolutely dominated the first three quarters. I mean, they had, I think they had at, 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 at the, at the three quarter mark, I think they had about 130 yards rushing. They were, they had at least five minutes of possession more than Clemson and they were down huge. Clemson had very few rushing yards at that point because they weren't trying to run the ball until the fourth quarter when they were just trying to eat clock. They had, you know, 340 passing yards and like, I think 40 rushing yards and the scoreboard was completely in their favor. And it just made me so happy that this whole idea of needing to run the ball um, I and mean, we've been talking about it all year. It's the vertical passing game that makes a big difference in college football, and I think also in the NFL. And to see the team that actually went out and and was attacking downfield uh, to 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 be so dominant was very 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 delicious. Vindication, man. Yeah, absolutely. And even Bama's that that score you were talking about, that Judy touchdown was a was a was a deep pass down the field. It wasn't like a, a screen pass or anything. Like so, I just really enjoyed the fact that they were able to just put that on display and Clemson was able to show us and it highlighted Lawrence's beautiful deep ball. I thought, Oh man, I thought he just had such a great game. I was watching the game with my in-laws who, who only watch football when they're at my house and they're like, wow, this guy's really good. And then when I was like, yeah, he's a freshman and the guy he's throwing it to is a freshman. <laughs> like they were like, what are you talking about? This is madness. I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is crazy. So are you with me now on they, every pass to Hunter Renfro was a waste of time. Yes, because but I still... <laughs> Justin, Justin Ross needed to get the ball all season long, and he didn't until really late in the year when they were like, oh, you know that freshman we have out there that can out-jump everyone? Let's chuck it at him, and he's going to get something done. Right, and but even like T. Higgins, I thought his touchdown oh. catch was spectacular. I mean, you look at it like, oh yeah, he should make that catch, but then when you watch the replay and you see just the extension and just the strong hands he has to pull it in. It was really impressive. I love T Higgins. Justin Ross was amazing. Some of those throws, like that one handed catch going out of bounds. It was, it was impressive. He, he definitely made Trevor Lawrence look even better. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I, it was sort of funny because before the game, I think it was bleacher report put out an article saying is Trevor Lawrence, the best QB prospect we've ever seen. And early in the game, when he was sort of having some struggles, I saw some people kind of out there trolling the article. And by the end of the game, everyone's saying, oh, wait, never mind. Yeah, he really might be the best quarterback prospect we've ever seen. Yeah. But, I, I mean, my my takeaway from this game was Clemson is set up to be good for the next couple of years because they proved they have depth in the defensive side. They have, pro- I mean... The only team that might be able to argue their receiving core is Alabama. Um, so they might have the best one. They have Tra- Travis Etienne, who is a monster. And, I mean, Trevor Lawrence. So Clemson's going to probably be back as the top team in the country for the bulk of next year. 
Um, the I think the interesting conversation is: Do you think this sort of do you think that Tua we saw his absolute ceiling in those first five games of the year, and now maybe people are starting to either figure him out a little bit, or we're starting to see that in the same way to like a Brett Favre always had this reputation or now Patrick Mahomes says it is, he almost has a little too much faith in his ability to make every throw that it's going to hurt him. I mean, I, I still think that he can, that's a tough question. I mean, I think that the, the, the very highs that we saw from Tua maybe were a little bit above what sh- what we should expect from him moving forward but I also think that how he played against Clemson um it, I I don't necessarily know that we see that again on a regular basis now granted Clemson you know their defense is incredible and they really got to him and and projecting him to the NFL obviously the talent level goes up uh, you know against e- on every team that you face on a weekly basis compared to what you see in college, especially in the weak ACC, uh, or excuse me, in, in the SEC, um, you know, the defenses are good, but they're not at, they're not NFL level as much as people want to compare. They used to compare the Browns to Bama, et cetera. But I think that people may be overreacting a little bit to a very, very, very small sample size. And I think that what we saw from Tua against Clemson is – perhaps the floor that we see for the remainder of his college career. Um, but I, I'm not giving up on him because I think, you know, he's shown throughout the season in different spots that his accuracy, his touch, his anticipation, all of those, you know, scout terms, I think that they matter. And I think that he has all of those. Uh, I think they're all plus attributes. So while, it's in vogue right now to say, well, Trevor Lawrence is God and, you know, Tua is next. I think that that's fine, but I also think that that some people might be selling Tua a little bit short if they're overreacting to what we saw on a national stage in a one-game sample. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not giving up. I, I think that when next season rolls around, I think that we're going to see – a lot of what we saw earlier this season from Tua and all those receivers coming back, I you know, I think that what we saw early in that sample that Matt was talking about was probably a little bit higher than what we should expect as a median. But I also don't think that we're going to see many performances like we did against Clemson in the national championship. Right. And I also wonder just how how much the injury affected him. I mean, it's an excuse possibly, but I do think there was there is something to that. I think he wasn't at 100% and it showed. I'm still a huge Tua believer. I think I think by the end of next year, he's going to be in the Heisman race. I think it's going to be him, Lawrence, and who knows who Justin else. Justin Fields. But, yeah, Fields, Justin Fromm. Fields. I mean, but you can put Fromm in there too. I, I think it's going to be it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, that that that's for sure. I, I think Lawrence um I think Lawrence and Tua are going to be battling again before they leave for the NFL. <laughs> that's for sure. I think they're gonna have another national championship game between the two of them. Uh, so, I mean, that's maybe a little bit too early to be projecting that, but uh, yeah, I, I still believe in him. I think, I think he'll bounce back. I think he'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is crazy just how much it, it changed for him. I mean, 
I remember halfway through the year we were talking about how this guy couldn't be slowed down, and we were wondering <laughs> we were wondering if we were in for like historic historic performances that would reshape everything, you know. And he he definitely fell down to earth. I mean, it, it's not that I, I'm I'm not actually trying to like state that I think that he is not a good quarterback. I oh, think sure, he is. sure. Yeah. I just I had a lot of arguments going into uh the national championship game calling it an absolute trap where people were telling me it was an absolute travesty that he lost the national champion or not the national championship the Heisman. that he lost the Heisman to Kyler Murray. And I would argue this is now his third straight game where he has been either the second or third best quarterback on the field. And I get um the injury in the Georgia game um makes that game a little bit difficult to uh, truly judge. But prior to the serious injury, he was also atrocious. Um, So I would argue that Kyler outplayed him at quarterback because when you factor in the fact that Alabama was going up against a historically bad defense, and even if Alabama's defense is average, it's still substantially better than what he was going up against. And Kyler carved up Alabama in the second half. And Trevor Lawrence for sure outplayed Tua. So I, I, it's mostly I'm saying let's, yeah, ho- like, let's pump the brakes a little bit on saying that Kyler Murray robbed him because at least on three occasions this year, he wasn't even the best quarterback on the field. Yeah. Speaking of just Kyler really, Murray. Can I? Oh, no, go ahead. I'm go sorry, ahead, Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. I just wanted to add one quick thing. Um, we talk a lot about adjusted uh, yards per attempt when we talk about efficiency. And uh, according to Sports Reference, Tua's 12.8 AYA this season ranks third all time, or actually yeah. since 1956, behind Segway, Kyler Murray, and Baker Mayfield last season. So, you know, it, it, from an efficiency standpoint, regardless of the struggles down the stretch, he was still historically efficient this season. Um, and, and yeah, so I guess... Sorry to cut you off on Kyler Murray. But no, no, now you no, made yeah. me have to jump in because I, I, I have to respond to that somewhat with, but he was at an 18 for the through the first five games. So I think that is sort of to my point of he was historically godly at the beginning of the year, smashing all the records. And then when he actually got into the toughest part of his schedule, it dropped noticeably. I mean, that's fine, but that's also sample size if you're talking about just five-game sample compared to, oh, you know, 14 oh, games isn't huge, but, you know, it's the the more games we have, the better representative sample we have. So Agreed, and I, I think he probably had a season that was accurate of third all-time efficiency. But now we go to the guy who has the all-time, and that's the guy who we now have heard has – Declared himself as likely going to the NFL draft rather than I'm baseball. excited. I'm excited. I've, I've been hoping for this forever. I, <laughs> like ever since I started watching him this year, I I was hoping this would happen. And I kept wondering why why wouldn't he? Like how would he not be uh, a high first round pick? And yeah, I really hope I really hope he does it. And I hope I hope Jacksonville trades up to get him because <laughs> I'm a Jags fan. So that would just be <laughs> delicious. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Yeah, I mean, uh, or Haskins. I'm happy fun. with either of them. <laughs> Honestly, I think I, I was about to ask. I was like, for both of you, who would you rather? If your team is trading up for a quarterback, assuming that, let's say, Ben Roethlisberger retires from football and they have to make a panic trade to get a quarterback, uh, who would you rather them end up with, Haskins or Kyler Murray? And I'll start, I guess, with Jordan. Oh man. Uh 
Or if you want to say Drew Locke, Drew Locke. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I think the conversation, assuming Murray does declare, as we've been hearing, um, I think the conversation for or the or the contest for QB one is between those two. Um, I, I I think that they're just so incredibly different. I mean, it, oh, they're almost opposites of each other. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like, I understand. I saw on Twitter. T- Today, some people talking about, obviously, Kyler Murray is going to get compared to Russell Wilson and Drew Brees because they're short. Um, but so, and but running. Right. But but a good point was made about Murray being slight build compared to Russell Wilson. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that disqualifies him from being a very good quarterback, but I do think it's worth taking into consideration. Um, and I also think it depends on fit. Like for the, for the Steelers, for instance – if they want to keep the same type of offense as they've been running with Roethlisberger, I think that Haskins is probably the choice. If they want to uh, be a little bit more flexible, which the Steelers generally are not, then they could perhaps go with Kyler Murray and and let him do what he does best, which is, I think, is a combination of all the facets uh, that a quarterback can be. Um, I know that's hedging. Which one would I want? Which one would I want? Um, I really still think that Haskins ceiling is, is really exciting and I don't necessarily think that we've seen it yet. Um, so, I mean, I guess I would go with Haskins, but I can't fault you for saying Murray just because he's just, you know, he's just so exciting to watch. Yeah. I just think, I think, I think for like a Pittsburgh style offense, you're absolutely right. Haskins. I mean, he 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 plays very similarly to to Ben Roethlisberger, in my opinion, um, and Kyler Murray does not. I would love to see Murray in as a Jacksonville fan with that defense and ugh, stupid Leonard Fournette. <laughs> He's so frustrated. He's not the team. I hope not. Um, but but I would love to see him with some of those. I mean, uh, some of those receivers. I mean, even like D.D. Westbrook. I think it could be fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun, and he could he could open up that offense in a way that we've never seen before. Of course, if he ends up in Jacksonville, he will be a bust. He will have a terrible career because they have Whoa. never never Don't been able to. Him. They have never been able to develop quarterbacks. And Kyler Murray is amazing. Yeah, but I don't know if he can withstand Doug Marone and company. The curse, yeah. So the one thing that I have found a little bit interesting, I don't know if it was Kevin Cole or Rotodoc a couple of years ago who did the work to actually find that QB weight was almost more important than QB height. And I, I am a little bit concerned because we've always kind of, the number I've always kind of looked for as my like low end is I kind of like seeing him around that 215 mark um, for weight. And I'm fairly certain that Kyler Murray is going to come in at like 190. Yeah. So I'm a little bit concerned with him. I would love to see him with a team. I I think Jacksonville probably is the best fit for him um, of all the teams out there. Um, I don't want to see him go to the Giants, Um, even though at least for one year, that would be a super fun offense. Um yeah, <laughs> that I, I would be of, nuts. I sort of think that Dwayne Haskins is a better fit for the Giants because he just he's a little more traditional, and I don't think they're going to get all that creative, even with Barkley. I um, yeah, I think it's interesting. Like we were talking about how Justin Herbert's decision to to stay was crazy, and he he could have been maybe the 
QB one. I think with three. I think if Kyler and with Kyler and Haskins both declaring, if Kyler does, I think Herbert would have been three. Um, I don't I don't think anyone would have picked Herbert over those other two guys. I think well, their, now- their upside's just so much higher, and Herbert still hasn't really shown what he's going to be yet, in my opinion. And that's coming from an Oregon fan. I think you're entirely right. I think the biggest perk for Herbert was a larger sample size than Haskins and a little more traditional than a Kyler Murray. And Stone Age GM is probably going to look at him and say, I understand that he is, has his flaws, but I can, I want to get the guy that looks most like John Elway or something stupid. Right. Right. (laughs) I mean, he looks nothing like him, but, no, but he's tall so. he's strong he's athletic he's got a strong arm yeah all those things check check check, check and we joke we joke about that and for good reason but like like matt said i mean that is still how a ton of evaluators and front office guys they literally think that way oh absolutely so i mean we can't like that's something i have kind of been struggling with running up to this draft class for 2019 for the quarterbacks is i like Daniel Jones, for instance, um, writing him up right now, and his profile as far as efficiency is concerned is bad. It's it's bad, but he's also six five, six six, two hundred and twenty, two hundred thirty pounds, and you just get the feeling he's gonna go in the first round, whether he should or not. And so, sorry for for verbal vomiting there, but that's just something I've been thinking about, and I think it it plays in it kind of it kind of plays into that line. Yeah. Can I ask can I ask a dumb question to you guys, but it in my head makes perfect sense. Do you think Easton Stick out of North Dakota State is having his uh stock hindered by the fact that Carson Wentz is already sort of seeing as like having issues? Does or should I say, does Carson Wentz now somewhat not being an MVP level hurt the built-in narrative that you had for Easton stick. No, I mean, I, I can, I can absolutely see where you're going with that. And I think that as silly as that sounds, I mean, I'm sure that does play a part and it's not necessarily fair because even though they come, you know, even though they're in the similar situation in college, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the same traits. Doesn't mean that they have the same upside. Doesn't mean that they have really anything similar. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that absolutely will play a part, and that's unfortunate for Stick. I don't know exactly where I place him in this class necessarily right now, but I think that that's absolutely a possibility. He he's probably like my or to take an old uh, FD phrase, uh, my YOLO QB because I think <laughs> yeah. he's. I mean, he's a he's a guy that he's got really good athleticism, and I somewhat question how. I don't think he's as good a passer as Wentz was. I don't think he is um, has the physical traits of a Josh Allen arm talent wise, but he's shown to be a pretty decent athlete running wise. And now with Murray and there being not really a lot of QB desperate teams, I think he'll probably fall to an area that's a little more reasonable for him. And that's probably like late day two somewhere in the same range as where Mason Rudolph got drafted. And if that's where he goes, he's sort of interesting. I'm still not a fan of his game other than he's just going to be athletic. Yeah. And I, I think that's the difference too, where Carson Wentz 
was, you know, drafted so early, this Easton stick's not going to be nearly in the same tier. And even if even if Wentz was playing well, I don't think he would be. So I don't know if it affects him um, directly, but it, it might like it might add ridiculous a, things. Well, it might add some it might add some more questions to it. Um, but yeah, I I think I think the NFL draft is going to be super interesting to see where where quarterbacks go anyway this year. I think they're always overvalued. Uh, this year, I think for some reason, I'm a little bit more excited about the top prospects coming out uh, that we talked about with Haskins and Murray um, and Drew Locke. I'm not sure about, but um, even guys like Will Greer, I don't know how high they're going to go now. Um, like you said, because there's so many young quarterbacks in the league that are kind of people are still unsure of, like we were talking about before the show started, we were talking about Josh Rosen, like Arizona probably won't move on from him yet. It's only been one year and they had a terrible offensive line. It's hard to judge exactly what was going on. Um, and if they do move on from him, that means a different team that's a quarterback needy team won't be looking for one because they'll have traded for him. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it shapes up. Um, Matt, you wanted to to talk real quick about what's going on, <laughs> what's going on with the Ohio State Michigan um, rivalry. Kind of post post season, there's still a lot of uh, a lot of knives being thrown <laughs> back and forth. So, it looks like it's just kind of a fun. Like Ryan Day has now been coached for nine days, um, and so far he has basically gone scorched earth with uh, the rivalry with Michigan, because I think we can all kind of agree that while Michigan's defense was statistically really good, it had its flaws, but there was kind of no question about their front seven, their front seven with Winovich Bush, uh, Rashawn Gary was really, really talented and really, really good. And now the two coaches that were coaching those two are, key pieces in this Ohio state defense in his staff. And that's, um, Ooh, it's Madison. Yeah. Madison is now the co-defensive coordinator and they also brought in Al Washington. And the big kind of takeaway from that is they're the best recruiters that Michigan had. So Michigan's kind of in a lot of trouble there. It's just such a nice F you, you know, like, it's a funny little rivalry thing because when we got Madison, a lot of them were like, oh, he's 70 years old. Yeah, he's a good recruiter, but we we were going to move on from him. His contract was up. Al Washington was in his first year there and was pretty much, from all by all accounts, the reason why Michigan was very close to getting Zach Harrison. And now he's gone, and he's back in Columbus. And the fun – the other – I mean – Michigan seems like they're in a little bit of chaos because it also sounds like Don Brown, their defensive coordinator, wants out. Um, so they're kind of up in the air. So I'm enjoying Michigan's real struggles right now, and I mostly just wanted to bring that up because it's funny. Absolutely. I get it. <laughs> I get it. But they did actually. They actually – Michigan, I have to give them a little credit. They just totally stole an offensive coordinator. They got Josh Gaddis um, from Alabama. He was their um, – co-offensive coordinator and wide receiver coach who a lot of people are within the program. He was getting a lot of credit for the success of Judy and uh, Waddle and all their young receiving group. And so he was getting a lot of credit. They got him literally, it got announced hours after Gaddis was 
announced as joining other former Michigan assistant, um, Mike Loxley in Maryland. And then all of a sudden the story changed in a hurry. So have to give them a little bit of credit that they did get a really good offensive coordinator that should help out uh, Peoples Jones and Tarek Black. But yeah, they're, they are in a, a lot of scramble mode right now to try and really clean up their staff. Yeah, I kind of feel like with Michigan, I think Harbaugh, if he isn't already, that seat is is heating up, and, and he, he's going to have to have some pretty impressive wins next year. I almost wonder if Ohio State beats them again, uh, what that means for his future at Michigan, uh, but we will, we will have to wait and see. Uh, so closing up the season, um, any, any final thoughts, parting words you'd like to leave with the audience? Jordan, why don't you why don't you lead the way? Well, I mean, it was it was a fun time hanging out with you guys, talking football basically every week. And you know, as as college football nerds as I think the three of us would identify as, it's great to have a platform to be able to talk. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we said some insightful things to go along with the uh, with the trash takes that we sometimes have. I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm just you know, I I think that. I think that some people were probably bummed that we got Alabama Clemson again at the end of the season, but I'm trying to take a positive look at it and and see that, you know, what we have going into next season with Clemson on offense could really truly be special. Um, And I don't think Alabama is going anywhere and we may end up with, (laughs) we may end up with that again. I don't know. It's a long ways to go and lots of things can happen, but I'm excited to, uh, you know, roll into draft season here, which is as a college football fan is part of the experience and try and figure out things for the draft. And then, you know, before you know it, the war- the weather will start warming up, hopefully, and uh, we'll be right back at it. So hopefully uh, everyone listening will be there along with us. Yeah, I mean, I'm there with you, Jordan, as much as we can all complain about getting the fourth national championship game between Alabama and Clemson from the start of the year, we kind of saw it coming. They were definitely the two best teams at the start of the year. And it, while it felt like it was kind of a a more top heavy year than most years um, with the talent, it was, I I really did enjoy this year. And I think most of them, um, I'm going to give a thank you to you guys from my wife uh, because I didn't talk her ear off as much as I normally would <laughs> because I had an outlet to uh, actually discuss this with all, all with you. So and if I'm I'll, I'll go out on a limb immediately and say I think that next year we probably won't get Clemson in Alabama. But that's just because I'm blinded by Justin Fields. Of course you are. <laughs> and that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I, I totally I totally agree with you guys. This has been just a hell of a lot of fun. It's been awesome being able to to talk with you guys every week and really dig into some of the some of the finer points of the game. <laughs> Talking about uh, a lot of the different aspects of the game with you guys has been been super fun. My my big picture takeaway is is realizing how much talent there is at the skill positions as well as offensive and defensive line at the elite programs and how far Oregon has to go to get there. Uh, (laughs) But just from a national perspective, I think it's interesting to see uh, where, where a lot of the power is, is landing 
the fact that Oklahoma was able to retool as quickly as they were, Ohio State getting fields, as you've mentioned, um, Bama, Clemson, we've talked about. Um, the power staying at the top, the power staying with the teams that have been in the playoff uh, over the last few years. I'm excited to see, yeah, just kind of how the offseason unfolds. I'm already looking forward to, you know, the, the, the preseason polls. I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see where teams like Texas and Notre Dame uh, who who finished the season very differently? Teams like Georgia as well. It'll be fun to see kind of where they land on that preseason poll, and we can start analyzing all of that and getting way into it, and and then of course being wrong on half of it. So it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to the draft. Um, we're definitely going to have a podcast out uh, right before the draft, and then we'll probably do another one right after the draft, kind of analyzing where players went and, and what that means for for fantasy football. Uh, from our perspective, having watched these guys so much and, and especially Jordan and Matt having done a lot of research in a lot of these prospects. So we'll be back uh, with you for those. I want to just take a minute to thank Rotoviz for, yeah, for uh, putting the show together, getting us all hooked up and, and on the same page. It's been really fun. So thanks to Colm and Matthew Friedman. You guys are awesome. And it's been, uh, it's been a great year and yeah, I'm, I'm super excited for, yeah, for, for the, for the off season, that's not actually an off season. Like it, it, it always continues. I mean, like we just said, like Michigan, Ohio State, they're still fighting each other, even though there's no games to be played. So it's awesome. I'm really excited, and it's been a hell of a lot of fun doing it with you, with you too. How are you? Riley, Riley Ridley sucks. There you go. Get it in there. Get it in there. Cool. Well, um, as always, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at Stay Fun Laco. Wispy the Kid and Jay Hoover 9787. So find us on the Twitter machine and you will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for listening and we look forward to talking to you in a couple of months. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. 
Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.